In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God, I mean. Um, sorry about these technical difficulties, but uh, we're on now. Um, today is the second um, um, episode of our uh, series on the Bible. Um, as we said last week, we are eventually going to tackle this, um, this um, uh, topic, the difficult passages in the Bible. But leading to this, uh, to this topic, we are going to introduce to the Bible and how did we receive the Bible. And we said last time that the word receive is the fitting word when we, how did we get the Bible. Last time we talked about the Old Testament and today we're going to talk about the New Testament. Um, we are trying, when we t- uh, talk about the, old, the New Testament, we're trying to answer those questions, how we got the New Testament, why there are only four Gospels, um, and one might ask, are there any more Gospels? Yes, there are. I'll talk, talk to you about um, more Gospels uh, while we, we're talking. And then we will talk about what we call the canon of Scripture, which simply means how uh, the church decided on who and how the church decided which books to be included as sacred sp- uh, scripture and which books are not to be included. Because in those days, the books were written, handwritten, were uh, only manuscripts. So there were um, um, lots of, of books around. So how can the church decide which book um, are sacred and which books are false or not sacred? And then we talk also about the English translation of the Bible, how the English translation was made, and how um, uh, also um, any one of us can choose an English translation um, as best one to, uh, to study from, to study the Bible from. And that, that would be a big topic, um, and I will go through it with you uh, when, when we come to it. We might not be able to do it tonight, uh, because it, it needs a bit of time, but we might be able to do it um, next time. But we'll see how we go. Um, the New Testament, um, as we uh, all know, that if, if we would like to classify the New Testament, as we said last time about the classification of the, um, the sections of the Old Testament, the sections of the New Testament are easier. We have four Gospels. We have the Book of Acts. We have 14 epistles written by St. Paul, we call it the Pauline epistles, and we have what we call general epistles. General epistles, they 1st and 2nd Peter, 1st, 2nd and 3rd John, Jude and James. These are not written to specific church, uh, to a specific church, but they are written to the general church, and that's why we call them the general uh, epistles, or we also call them the Catholic epistles. Of course, the word Catholic doesn't have anything to do with the Catholic Church, but the word Catholic means general. And then the, we end the, the, book, uh, the, the, the books of the New Testament by the book of Revelation. So how many are they? 27 books, okay? So four Gospels, book of Acts, 14 by St. Paul, general epistles, which are seven, and then Revelation, the book of Revelation. And by the way, the book of Revelation is called the book of Revelation, not Revelations. Okay, because it's it's all uh, it's it's one revelation, but it's always called the book of Revelation. All right, so let's go through those. The four gospels can be also classified into two categories. One is called the the synoptic gospel. These are the three 
first three Gospels, the Gospels of St. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They're called the Synoptic Gospel. Why, why they call it the Synoptic Gospel? They came from the Greek Synoptic. Syn, S-Y-N, it's a um, prefix means together, like synchronization, for example, synchronous. It's syn, S-Y-N, is together. And optic, like the optic, optics, optic means see. So these three Gospels, seeing the life of, of Jesus Christ together, because they're very close to each other. So that's why we call these um, Gospels the Synoptic Gospel. So the Synoptic Gospel are the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. The, the fourth Gospel, the Gospel of St. John, is a unique Gospel, and that's why it's, it, he is, this, this book is categorized on its, uh, its own. We find also through history that these Gospels were penned or written before AD 70. We all know that 70 AD, what happened in 70 AD, if you remember? In history, what happened in 70 AD? The destruction of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple. So we believe that through the history, those um, uh, three synoptic gospels were written before 70 AD because none, none of them talked about the destruction of Jerusalem. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and we believe also that Mark wrote his book first. So the Gospel of St. Mark was the first Gospel to be written, and then after that, Matthew and Luke. And the last one to be written was the Gospel of St. John, and we believe also through history that the Gospel of St. John was written toward the end of the first century. St. Saint, uh, John was very old, about 100 years or a bit more, and even some people say that he, he wrote it just in the few years of the second century. So this, this was the last gospel to be written. And he found that all these synoptic gospels, what they wrote and what, what he knew, and he added uh, to what they did not write. So that's the, um, um, the, four, the four gospels. By the way, we said last time, how do we know that those four gospels were written by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? We see that the, the Gospels usually they were or they are as as um, as literature they were anonymous so there was no name in it. If you see, for example, Saint Paul's letters, he starts his um, letter with Paul, the servant of Christ, and and most of the epistles the epistles were written that way. But the Gospels were not written this way. You don't find in the Gospel of St. Matthew, for example, say Matthew, the, son, the servant of Christ, writing about Christ. You don't find that. How did we know that those people wrote those four Gospels? It's through the, the church tradition. The most famous one who said about that was a man, um, uh, one of the church fathers called Papias. Papias from the second century. Papias wrote that those four Gospels were written by um, um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and, and John. And Matthew, we don't have um, um, uh, the account of Papias, but the one who said that Papias said so was um, um, the Jewish historian called Eusebius. And he said, um, 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 Papias said that, oh, he, uh, because he was very close um, to the apostolic age, or the, the, the age of the, apost uh, the apostles, Papias emphasized that those uh, four Gospels were written by those four people. And uh, those were eyewitnesses to the life of Christ. 
And that helped also with the canonization uh, question, as we will see later on. When we come to the epistles, many New Testament epistles were written before these Gospels. So we, f- we see the, the Gospels were not written first and then the epistles. We will see that the epistles were written first. So the epistles were written first before the Gospels, and then after that came the Gospels. They said that James, the Gospel, the, sorry, the epistle of St. James, James is the brother of Jesus, and we know what... Uh, does the brother mean? Doesn't mean the brother like um, a brother, but like his cousin. Penned his book around AD 45, just over a decade after Christ's death. Uh, Saint Paul wrote one of the early epistles, and there is a discrepancy between which uh, first epistle was written by Saint Paul. Most of people of the people said that it was the first Thessalonians. And he wrote that in the second journey. Some people said that, no, it was the epistle to the Galatians was the first. Whether the Galatians or the first Thessalonians, St. Paul wrote very early and around 47 to 48. So those early epistles all clearly refer to Jesus as Lord, a reference to his um, deity. And then, so we see the New Testament epistles were written by the apostles during a period in history where the eyewitnesses were still alive. And that was very important to church. When I say that this book should be included in the canon, I emphasize that either the writer of this book was an eyewitness of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ's life, or he took from an eyewitness. I don't, the, the church did not accept anyone to write any uh, account, say, 200 or 300 years after Christ. They emphasize that those people who are um, to be accepted as writers of the Holy Bible to be either eyewitnesses or uh, companions of eyewitnesses to the the Lord Jesus Christ. So now we we come to the question of canonicity. What, What does the word canonicity or canon mean? All right? Of course, canon is not that. Okay? So when we talk about the canon of the Bible, I don't mean that one, and I don't mean that one. All right? This is a different spelling altogether. This is double N. All right? So it's not that canon, not that canon. But what I um, mean by the word canon or canonicity of the Holy Bible The word canon comes from the Greek word kanun. And what is kanun? Doesn't mean law at all. That is not the Arabic word. Kanun in in Greek means a measuring rod or a measuring reed. You know, in those olden days, they used to to measure the land. So, for example, if you you buy a a block of land, we have now the, um, the measure. And the, you can you can extend the measure now. You can you can use ultrasound now to the, to measure the land. But in those days, they used to have a standard rod. This is called the measuring rod or the kanun. This kanun, this one here, used to, to measure the land with it. So it's it it became like a standard. So it's the, like for example our meter now. We have a standard meter which is 100 centimeters. So this is the standard of the measuring of the measures in the metric um, um, uh, way. So these kanuns, uh, uh, the Greek kanun, were the standard to measure the land with. 
So they took that word, kanun, and they called, okay, if we would like to get a, write, um, a, a, a group of writings like the Bible or anything that I would like to say, this is the standard upon which I uh, am going to um, uh, follow. So I have to, to do what's called canonicity or canonization. I have to canonize it to become canonical. You see, when, when you hear a lot canonical and deuterocanonical and non-canonical and these things, all came from that word, the kanun. Uh, uh, um, the, the Hebrew equivalent to this word is called kana. Kana means also uh, uh, a measuring rod. Okay? This is the, um, the modern equivalent of the measuring uh, rod. Now, the early church did some criteria upon or through this criteria, I will measure those books and I'll say which books are sacred, which books should not be sacred or considered not sacred. There are four criteria done for the New Testament. Number one, it has to have an apostolic origin. What does that mean? Attributed to and or based on the preaching and teaching of the first generation apostles or their closest companions. So in, in order for me, for the church, to accept this book as canonical, as sacred, as inspired in the Bible, so it has to, be, it has to have an apostolic or close to apostle origin. Number two, it has to have an accept, uh, universal acceptance acknowledged by all major Christian communities in the Mediterranean area at that time, because that's the, that was the world, in the Mediterranean world by the end of the fourth century. The third criterion of, of the canonicity, it has to have a, liturgi a liturgical use. Used in the liturgy means it was used in the tradition and it was used by the church in its um, prayers. The fourth um, criteria or criterion, it has to have a consistent message and this consistent message has to be also in line with the rest of scripture. So I can't, for example, get a book, I will say this, this book should be considered as sacred scripture, and then I will find a contradiction of this book, of the teaching of this book with the rest of scripture. It can't be. So this, in order for the church to determine how can I determine the uh, canonicity of any book, it has to follow these criteria. Apostolic origin, universal acceptance, liturgical use, and consistent message. And this consistent message also have to be in line with the rest of the Bible, whether, by, uh, whether the Old or the New uh, Testament. I'll give you some history. How did the church come up with the 27 books of the New Testament as we know them now? The first part, recognition of the, can the canon, the first person known to us to establish a complete list of a canon was a man by the name of Marcion. Marcion wasn't a good man. Marcion was a bad man. But he, we, we acknowledge him um, being the first one to, to get to us a list of um, the, um, the scripture books. Why he was a bad man? This Marcion said that Christianity and Judaism should not um, uh, mix together. I, I, I cannot accept anything in scripture that is actually totally or very close to Judaism. So he said, okay, let's, let me have a look. And he got 
the, the, the Gospels. And the Gospels were very, very early um, documents that, that acknowledged by the church. And by the way, those four Gospels were always as one, one um, document, not, not, um, not uh, mixed together, but they distinct four box, uh, books, but they were, were always together. So Marcion took the, the four Gospels and he said, okay, let's, let me see. Okay, um, Matthew, it's all Jewish, remove Matthew. Okay, uh, how about Mark? Mark has, half of Mark is Jewish, remove Mark. And then Luke, okay, Luke is good because he's more Gentile. So we keep Luke. But there are about, about four or five chapters of, 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 uh, of Luke. They, they're more Jewish, so remove those. And the church found that Marcion had about 22 books in his, um, in his um, uh, uh, canon. And he removed most of the writings of, um, th that actually re relate to Jewish background of of the church, and they didn't like that. He said, "No, no, no. You, you're going to to disturb everything. You're not you're not going to do a right uh, the right job. So what we're gonna do? We are going to do it ourselves, and we do it according to those criteria." So Marcion was a, a a good man because he was the only or the first one to think about putting the canon, but he did it in a bad way. He did it in order to mutilate it more more than arrange it, and the church said, no, we, we, we're going to do it ourselves, and the, the church did it gradually. In the second century, there was what we call the Muratorian canon, according to um, a person by the name of Muratori. He did a list, and there had been in the church some problems with some books. There was no problem with the four Gospels. There was no problems with 13 of St. Paul's epistles. Always there was no such a thing that, okay, the, the question of canonicity for all St. Paul's um, epistles except the epistle to the Hebrews. Always the epistle to the Hebrews made a problem until the third or the fourth century. So the Hebrews was problematic to the church because they thought it's all Jewish. And there was always a problem, there was no problem with the Gospels. The four Gospels um, had the approval from day one. The book of Acts had the approval. 13 of um, St. Paul's apostles had the approval. First John and first Peter had the approval. There had been always problems with second and third John, second Peter, and some of also of the, uh, the uh, smaller epistles, and the book of Revelation. They thought also uh, not very well with the book of Revelation until later. And even with in... in, in um, in, with some, some of the, the, um, the, the fathers of the churches, they were split um, um, in, when, when it comes to these, these books. For example, the West, they accepted the book of Revelation, whereas the East did not accept the book of Revelation until probably the 4th century. And conversely, the West did not accept the book of Hebrews, and the East accepted it. Until came St. Augustine and he said, no, the Hebrews is a fantastic book if we understand it. And then with the influence of, of, um, of St. Augustine, they, it actually um, 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 uh, got, got accepted after that. The first person to publish a list of the New Testament books, as it is today, the 27 books, was St. Athanasius. 
Saint Athanasius of Alexandria, the Bishop of Alexandria. At that time, the Patriarch of Alexandria was called the Bishop of Alexandria. So Saint Athanasius, the Bishop of Alexandria, was the first one who put the 27 books together. Of course, he did not invent them, but that what actually happened after uh, the debate of the church fathers and many meetings and also the, 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 um, the, um, the Council of Nicaea and, and these kind of things. So Saint Athanasius in his Easter letter, his Easter message in 367 AD, he said to the, the Christian community, this is what I think the sacred letter after um, um, debate with uh, for many years, that should be the sacred letters. And these are the canon of the New Testament. And since then, there had nothing to, to say about this list. And it should, and it, it actually um, showed that it has been accepted since. Although these days there's some debate and some people started now to, to talk about it, but not, not much. But the, the, the good thing about the New Testament, we talked last time about the Old Testament that there is what we call the deuterocanonical books. The, the deuterocanonical books are accepted by the Orthodox churches and the Catholic churches are not accepted by the Jews, not accepted by the Protestant churches. But here in the New Testament, there was um, a universal acceptance of these 27 books until now. There is no deuterocanonical books in the New Testament. The New Testament 27 books are accepted by all churches all over the world. Since Athanasius put that 367 until now, there is no problem. Okay, so that's that's the uh, the uh, uh, the canon. We come to the four gospels. We say only four gospels. We accept only four gospels. Are there any other gospels? Do you know of any other gospels? Have you heard about any other gospel? Name one. Thomas, yes. What else? There's a Gospel of Thomas. What else? Judas, Judas. yep. Gospel of Judas. Nicodemus. Nicodemus. Gospel of Nicodemus. What else? There's the infancy gospel, yes. And the proto-evangelical gospel. And James' gospel. And there's a lot of other, other books. How many books? We have four, but also we have those. These are Gospels. Okay, Gospel of Thomas, Gospel of the Ebionites, Gospel of the Nazarenes, Gospel of Philip, Gospel of Hebrews, of the Hebrews, Gospel of the Egyptians, Gospel of the Truth, Proto-Evangelium of James, Infancy Gospel of Thomas, Gospel of Peter, Apocryphon of John, and so on. Those um, um, uh, um, Gospels were not true Gospels. They were false Gospels. Because of the increased heresy um, tendency at that time and the Gnosticism that happened during that time, everyone wanted to do something as a heretic. So he invented a writing and in order to, 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 to uh, pass acceptance or to gain acceptance to it, it called the gospel. Even recently, if you heard about there was some um, manuscripts uh, um, discovered in Egypt in an area called Nag Hammadi. Have you heard about Nag Hammadi um, um, manuscripts? The, the most famous of them was the Gospel of Thomas. 
and Gospel of Thomas, it has the, the West now has some tendency and love of the Gospel of Thomas and the Gospel of Judas. But they, according to the church fathers and according to the tradition of the church, they are false gospels. They are false gospels. I'll give you an, uh, um, something from um, 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 Gospel of Thomas. Gospel of Thomas is 114 verses. And it's all, it's a mix. So, taking some from the true gospels and some inside hidden like, like false gospels. Uh, I'll give you um, verse 114 and see if you, if you think that's something that should be considered as sacred or not. If you can't read that, I'll read it out for you. Simon Peter said to them, to the disciples, Let Mary, Mary Magdalene, let Mary go away from us, for women are not worthy of life. Okay? Jesus said, Look, I shall lead her so that I may make her a male, that she too may become a living spirit, resembling you males, for every woman who makes herself a male will enter the kingdom of heaven. Do you think Christ would say that? that? Okay? Imagine that I'm standing before you and I'm giving you a sermon about this verse. So the, these false gospels are full of things like that. Things like, things like this, not only as um, bad as this, but there is a lot of um, heresies, there are a lot of false things and even false um, um, historical events and everything. So that's why it is not advisable at all. I mean, they, these books are available everywhere, but it's not advisable uh, to read it or even to give recognition to it. Because sometimes people, out of uh, curiosity, or okay, some people say, okay, it's 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 historically okay, so we read it. Read it as a historical account, but don't read it as a sacred uh, writer. Because the church from early on. Um, um, said that these books are not the true Gospels, and that's why. So there, there are too many Gospels, but only we acknowledge four. Okay. Should we stop here? Because once we open the subject of the English translation, we're going to take some time. So can we stop here, uh, Marco? You can continue next week, the English, uh, the English Bible. I'm going to give you a, um, a brief note about the history of the English Bible translation. How was the Bible translated from either from uh, um, uh, Greek and Hebrew, the original languages, and also from the uh, Latin? Because the first English Bible, the um, the uh, the first English Bible was written was written uh, translated from uh, Latin. So I'll tell you a brief history about the English translation, and I'll tell you how can you choose a Bible translation that is the best translation. And I'll tell you which one is the best translation, if there is one. Okay? I'm going to tell you that. Have you heard about, um, there is a saying, every translator is a... Did you hear that? Can, can someone complete that? Every translator is a traitor. Translators are traitors. Why? Because you can't grasp the full meaning of the original language. So that's why there is no one translation. I'm giving you a heads up here. So there is no one translation that is complete. And that's why we talk about which translations that you have 
to when you study the Bible, you can, um, you can uh, refer to. All right? And glory be to God forever. Any question, I'm happy to. Yes, sir. Okay. Can I can I be uh, yeah, frank with you? I will go with what you would like. I mean, this this introduction to the Bible can take three or four uh, sessions, but it's up to you. Yani, we can we can cover the deuterocanonical books. We can cover the uh, the canonicity in more detail. We can cover the the history of the translation. We can cover even the history of interpreting the Bible. Because there is a, there's what we call the history of interpretation. How, because now when you read the Bible, unless you interpret it, you won't understand it. You need to, to, to understand what does the Bible want from me in order to follow it. That's what we call interpretation. The history of interpreting the Bible has got through a number of phases. So for example, the School of Alexandria had a different, had a different style of interpreting the, interpreting the Bible, different from the School of Antioch, for example. And there was the, the church fathers had a, um, a way of interpreting the, the Bible that is unique to that time, which is different from the modern interpretation. Uh, the, at the end of the day, the message will be very close to, to each other. But I'm talking about how the, the, the church father interpreted or what, what, their way, what their way for uh, in interpreting the Bible. So I'm, I'm, I'm totally uh, bound by what you want. If you, if you think that these topics are dry, we can, we can speed up the, this, uh, these uh, topics and go to um, 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 examining difficult passages of the Bible or even... Uh, Bible study uh, type. If you'd like to know more about the history, I'm happy with that. So, those two uh, plus the the translation that what I was prepared to do for this uh, for this um, Tuesday night. But if you want more of those, I'm happy to. If you'd like to, that's had enough of that. Let's let's move on and go to the um, difficult passages. I'm happy as well. So, what would you like me to do? <laughs> Yeah, what, what everyone wants. I mean, I'm happy with either way. We can, we can try and yeah, gather some feedback. And, and yeah, I would, I would actually appreciate the feedback. So next week, if, you, if, you, if you're happy, I can do the history of the English translation because the, choosing the translation also needs a little bit of, of, uh, of, a bit of, of, of work as well. So you need, you need to look into the translations to determine which one you're going to uh, study from. And you need to understand also the, the different ways of translating the Bible, especially into English. So they're, they're, they're not the same. They're not all the same. So I will tell you that next week. Uh, and then after that, according to the feedback, I'm happy either to go to the passages or to continue with those um, introductory, introductory subjects. Okay, thank you. Any other questions, Ariane? Or a feedback or comment. I had a question about sure. the Gospel of Thomas and the other Gospels that were written. When you say it's a false Gospel, is it not written by that writer mm. and it's just written in their name? Yeah, it was written in their name. Well, definitely wasn't written by Thomas. Because when they examined the manuscripts and examined the history, 
it's very clear it wasn't written at that time. Thomas had, had been dead for, for decades before this, Thomas, uh, this uh, gospel uh, appeared. There is another gospel called the Gospel of, um, of Barnabas. There are two, two, two books attributed to Barnabas. There is one called the Epistle, um, sorry, it's called, I think it's the Epistle of Barnabas, and then there's one, the Gospel of Barnabas. The Gospel of Barnabas was written by um, an Italian monk about 16th century. Very obvious, you can, the, the paper that was, uh, was written on the history of the time of the, of the, of the world at that time when he talks, the, the language, they, they know from these things. So definitely it wasn't Barnabas, the, uh, the companion of Paul. I'd, having said that, I would like also to differentiate between false writings, like false gospels. They were gospels, were deliberately written in the name of an, an apostle in order to deceive people or in order to in, inject heresies into the church. Whereas also some other books, they were not sacred, but they were good books. So, for example, there was a book in the apostolic era. You know what's the apostolic era? The apostolic fathers. The apostolic fathers, these are the fathers of the church that came in the second century. These, the apostolic fathers, the fathers that, who came after the apostles. There was um, a book uh, called The Shepherd by Hermes. Hermes was one of the church fathers. He wrote a very nice book called The Shepherd. It, it's a spiritual book. And in the early church, people regarded this Shepherd by Hermes as a fantastic book. And now it's, it's a beneficial book. It wasn't a false book. Hermes, uh, uh, Hermes, when he wrote it, he didn't mean to deceive the church. But it wasn't enough for the church to accept it as inspired. So they regarded the Shepherd by Hermes as a very good book, but not sacred. But it's not false. There was also um, the epistle of Ignatius, Ignatius. Ignatius was one of the uh, 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 sorry, the uh, disciples of Saint John, and he wrote his epistle. But he wrote the epistle in the second century, so they said, no, it's not, it's not that. So these are good books, but not enough to be uh, given the the status of being sacred. Whereas those Gospels were false Gospels. They were injected into the church in order to um, 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 inject heresies. Yes, please. Um, have some, like, stories that... So, like, I've heard some stories and stuff that are attributed to have been, like, in, included in, like, the Syriac infancy Gospel or something like that. Yes. Like, have some stories, maybe historical stories, been adopted by the, the church? Yes. Uh, which, which story did you hear? I heard one about Dumas. Yes. And how, um, uh, when the Holy Family was escaping to Egypt. Ah, this is a false one. It's, it was written, it was written, yeah, for example, Salome, for example. Salome, you know, Salome, the, the one that attended... St. Mary's um, uh, birth and stuff. We don't know exactly because I mean the the whole book the whole book um, is is not a false book, but I mean we, we say it's not it's not a sacred it's it's apocrypha. So we don't accept it. But in the meantime, even with this story of Dimas being um, a thief in Egypt 
and he met the holy family while the though Jesus Christ was a young child. Historically, it's not is not is not fitting. How come that person uh, met the Lord Jesus Christ in Egypt, and who who took the mass to Egypt? I mean, you have to think about it. It might be. A, I'm, 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 I don't know. When I go up, when I go up, I'll ask him. <laughs> but yeah, when when you think about it, no, it doesn't make sense. But some people say these books we can we can accept it as knowing the history of the time. So, for example, when they say this king was during that time, yes, that they could, but not to uh, build doctrine upon those books. It's not right. But I'll tell you something. Having said that as well, sometimes we have stories like that coming from the tradition of the church, not from those books. So sometimes, for example, I'll give you something. Some in our church, we celebrate the um, Saint Mary's Saint Mary going to the um, the uh, temple, or Saint Mary, 12 years of age, she went to the temple, and Saint Mary, uh, her parents were uh, Joachim and Anna. Um, for example, Saint Joseph uh, got m- married her, or uh, she got betrothed to, to him. He was an old man. Where did we get those those um, stories from? We definitely we didn't get it from those books. Although some of those stories can be in these books. But the church got those stories from the tradition. The tradition is the oral tradition that actually was given um, um, through our generations to the church. So the church, when the church says say about, about those stories, we usually got it, got it from the tradition, but not from those books. Because the books were acknowledged by the church as not, are not true, true books, so they are true, not true books. <laughs>